The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-907-3339. Good morning to you and hope you're having a great 4th of July. 866-90-RED-EYE. Yes, indeed. Dan here in for Gary and Eric. They do return next Sunday night, Monday morning. And you can find out more about me. I am on not only Twitter, but also Facebook as well. You can find me at Dan Mandis Show. And I do host the morning show on Super Talk, the 99.7 WTN in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I am right now. 99.7 WTN.com is where you can listen to me every single morning, 6 to 10 a.m., so where did the cocaine come from? Do you hear this story? <laughs> you, this is one of those stories. You just can't make this stuff up. So apparently they found cocaine at the White House. A couple of days after Hunter Biden was at the White House. Now, just that in and of itself, one of the things I find fascinating, and if you pay attention to the news, if you pay attention to, you know, talk radio and whatever, you know that this is a very, very big story. Now, some of the mainstream media simply refuse to report on the fact that cocaine was found at the White House. But this is a big deal because it actually forced an evacuation at the White House. Now, the, the question is, how does cocaine end up at the White House? Well, everyone knows that Hunter Biden is a drug addict. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has let America know very much, very clearly, that he is a drug addict because of all of the various pictures that were on that laptop. And so the cocaine was discovered on Sunday night, two days after Hunter was last seen at the White House as he headed with his father for a long holiday weekend. Now, if I'm Joe Biden and my drug-addled son has now come to the White House and then out of the blue, cocaine is found. If you're a parent, you know exactly what you're thinking. Oh, God. Where did the cocaine come from? Is it possible that my son, if I'm Joe Biden, is it possible that my son 
has fallen off of the wagon and back onto the cocaine habit. I mean, everyone across America who knows anything about Hunter Biden, that's the first thing that we all thought of. I mean, you know that. Joe Biden, though, simply refuses to even acknowledge the story. And some media outlets out there also refusing to report this story. And here's one of the things that I thought was interesting. The media outlets that did report the story are saying that people on social media, like, for example, Twitter or maybe radio shows. They're calling people who are talking about Hunter and maybe just very respectfully suggesting that it's possible that Hunter Biden may have brought cocaine into the White House and maybe just accidentally left it somewhere. Maybe it dropped out of his, uh, you know, pants pocket, whatever. But you're being called a Twitter troll. When it seems to me like most Americans would ask that question, is it possible that it was Hunter's cocaine? Now, there seems to be some confusion as to where said cocaine was found. It was first reported in the West Wing. Where, by the way, you have Biden staffers, you have media working, you have maintenance staff, janitorial staff and all that kind of a thing. It's a very busy area. The West Wing. Then it was reported to have been found in the library. Two floors below the private White House residence and part of the the public tour. They also, by the way, say that the cocaine was found in a work area of the library and not the actual library. And this is, by the way, again, part of where they take the White House tours. And so the bottom line is, I don't really know where exactly it was found. It depends on which story that you uh, believe. It could have been found in the library. It could have been found there in the West Wing where a whole bunch of people are stationed and working and so forth. And to be honest, I don't know if it was Hunter's. But it sure looks suspicious, clearly, when cocaine just magically appears out of nowhere. But, you know, for me, when I heard about this story, I thought, well, you know. Joe Biden, he can't stop drugs from coming across our southern border. He can't even stop it from coming into the White House. Now, here's the thing that I find fascinating. People are saying, well, there's no way that this could be Hunter Biden's cocaine. Because it was found in a work area of the library. And, and why would Hunter Biden possibly be down Two floors from the residence in the library. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, so think about it. If you were in high school and you were, I don't know, smoking a joint, smoking a cigarette, having a beer, did you do it right in front of your parents? No. You went and you went behind the gym or behind the cafeteria out at the, you know, football or the baseball benches, you know, just kind of away from everything. So that's number one. If you're the president's son, would you do it right there out in the open? Of course not. You would go someplace where nobody could find you. Again, like, I don't know, 
maybe a work area, in the library, during off hours. I'm just saying. But here's the other part of this. People also saying there is no way that Hunter would be that careless that to bring cocaine into the White House and then, of course, to drop it or leave it someplace. Well, here's the thing. This is the same guy that left a laptop full of incriminating evidence at a repair shop in Delaware. This is the same guy who is a senator's son, a vice president's son, and then a president's son. Who has been flying around the country and it's just been hookers and cocaine and crack and whatever else. So for people to say, oh, he wouldn't be that irresponsible, would he? Oh, no. Hunter Biden wouldn't be that. Of course he would be that irresponsible. His middle name is responsible. Again, here's a guy that's having hookers and, and, and yes, had a baby with a stripper and so forth. So, yeah, I, I can see this happening to Hunter. Now, if I'm Joe Biden, I would be very concerned. And here's why. Because your drug addict of a son was at the White House and the drugs were found. Any caring father would immediately have his son drug tested. And if he fails that drug test, he goes off to rehab. That's what you need to do. Because it's clear that he has relapsed, period. Send him back to rehab. That's what he would need. Again, I will repeat, any caring father... Let me tell you something. If my kids came home for Christmas or my kids came home for a weekend and they had drug problems. And then I found some sort of a drug in the house, I would immediately have my kids tested just to make sure. Now, a couple of other things just real quick. Did the Secret Service even look for fingerprints on the back? And if they didn't, I would like to know why they didn't. That's number one. Number two, there's cameras all over the White House. I would be willing to bet that by and large, for the most part, there are cameras pretty much everywhere in the White House. Every square inch, by and large, for the most part, you're going to be able to see where this cocaine was found, whether it was in the library, in a working area of the library or in the West Wing, there's going to be some camera angle somewhere that catches whoever it was in the act. Have they checked the cameras? Now, some folks on Twitter are saying, by the way, reporting from sources, and I'm putting sources in like air quotes, that Hunter was actually in the room where the cocaine was found earlier. And they knew whose cocaine it was. So they intentionally did not get fingerprints because they knew who it was. And that would be my question. Because realize, if they didn't check that bag for fingerprints, well, then that means that, and by the way, 
bringing cocaine into the White House, that's a pretty serious infraction. So they they need to figure out who it is. And so, yeah, if they didn't fingerprint the bag, then that means either they knew or they didn't want to know. And if they didn't want to know, that means that they knew, right, that it was Hunter. I mean, think about it. So I don't know. This does not look good for Hunter Biden. This does not look good for the Biden administration. And again, we don't know whose cocaine it was. We have absolutely no idea. I don't know if it was Hunter. You don't know it was Hunter. People on social media who are saying it was Hunter, they don't have any idea whether or not it was Hunter either. I just think that for a lot of folks on social media who are talking about how, well, this isn't really a big story. Well, of course it's a big story. It's not every day that you find cocaine in the White House. But you know what? There's a lot of other stories out there that we're going to focus on this morning. Looks like James Comer and the House Oversight Committee is going to now focus on Hunter Biden and Burisma. Now, that's not real surprising. I know that you know the story about Hunter Biden, Burisma. You also have the influence peddling peddling and all of those accusations. So I do have the latest on that. James Comer doing some interviews uh, here over the last several days. I'll play you some uh, audio from that. A big blow to the Biden administration. One of my favorite stories of the uh, weekend. A big blow to the Biden administration regarding free speech on the internet and this is going to be at least for me one of the biggest stories of the week we'll talk about that and a whole lot more straight ahead it is red eye radio my name is dan mandis the phone number 866-907-3339 red eye on a hot summer day the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning a malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat, not to mention it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. Keep your AC system running smooth and your deliveries on schedule this summer with the following maintenance tip. Make sure the condenser on the front of your cab is clean and double check that your compressor belt is tight and in good condition. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by 
Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. They do return next uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, just talking about uh, Hunter Biden and the cocaine randomly and very suspiciously uh, found in the White House. And we'll see if there's any more of an update to that story as uh, we continue on throughout the morning here on Red Eye Radio, there is some polling out there. This is not good for the president in any way, shape, or form. And I, I do realize that it, it feels like almost every single day you have more and more bad polling with President Biden. That The big question is going to be, and I'm going to give you the headline, Joe Biden sees public confidence plunge in, they say, humiliating 4th of July poll. And this is not good news for uh, Joe Biden and the Biden administration and, and clearly not good for uh, Democrats either. And, and there's a lot going on with the president. You know, it is interesting because the more that Donald Trump faces his legal perplexities, his legal issues, you know, the more he is indicted, the higher up he goes in the polling for the Republican primary. Yet Biden The more he goes uh, through his legal challenges, he doesn't face any true legal challenges as of yet. But, you know, the more that uh, the media finally starts reporting on the controversies regarding Hunter and Joe, not to mention his his really bad performance as president, his polling is going down. So Trump is going up regardless of what's going on. And President Biden is going down. This is the story. President Joe Biden's government is attracting levels of confidence on par with some of the lowest scores ever seen. Now, listen, I I would love to sit here and, you know, make light of it and, you know, sort of gloat that Biden sucks and his numbers are down. I, I totally would love to sit here and gloat. But the bottom line is. The reason why Biden's approval rating is so low and the reason why people don't have any confidence in the president is because America's not doing very well. I mean, there, there, there's nowhere to look to find good news. Is there good news on the southern border? No. Is there good news regarding our foreign relations? No. I mean, you've got... China, no doubt, getting ready to go after Taiwan. We all know what's going on in Ukraine. And we've got billions of dollars going to uh, Ukraine. Nobody really knows where that money is going. Of course, we all know what's going on with our economy. And I don't care. I don't care how the president tries to spin, quote unquote, Bidenomics. It's not going well. Our economy is not doing well. And again, I don't care 
how the president tries to spin it. Of course, we all know what's going on with crime. In other words, America's not doing well. And and the, the mood of the American people is not really, it's not good. How is your mood these days? I'd be willing to bet this 4th of July that you are pretty pissed off, as a matter of fact. I know that a lot of Americans are. And so even though you you have the president, you know, with all of these things going on as far as our country goes. I'm not sitting here sitting here relishing or excitedly telling you about the president's really low uh, confidence rating from the American people. It, It actually makes me sad because that means that America is not doing well. Then you throw in all the stuff with Hunter and the influence peddling and all that that's going on. And it is just decimating Joe Biden. And so the question is, ultimately, the Democrats are going to have to ask the question. Is this the guy that we want running in 2024? Because a lot of people would rather see Gavin Newsom there. A guy that can actually string a couple of sentences together. But anyway, let's let's look at the polls. They say there is a new bombshell poll that has revealed that Americans' confidence in their government has plunged to the lowest across all G7 countries. The new Gallup poll released on Monday shows that just 31% of American adults have confidence in the president and the government. That is not good, folks. I'll give you some of the details straight ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. All right, so this uh, polling from Joe Biden and how there are, quite frankly, Americans that are not confident in the president or the uh, government that he leads They talk about how the U.S. has plummeted to the bottom of the charts under Joe Biden's leadership with a staggering 69 percent of Americans say they do not have confidence in our government and they don't have confidence in Joe Biden. And everybody knows that Biden's approval rating is in the crapper. Everybody knows that and everybody knows why. They say that while Gallup notes Americans' confidence has declined sharply over the years, there was a 6% drop when Biden first assumed power, falling from 46 to, uh, 46% to 40%. Support dropped again to 31% in 2022, matching the record low levels of confidence seen in 2013 
2016, and yes, 2018 as well. Now, the question is why? Why is the confidence of the American people so low when it comes to Joe Biden and our government? Well, it's because we've seen the government weaponized, first of all. And we are finding out more and more and more about that weaponization. And it just seems like every single day we we find out more regarding the overcharging and the attacks against Donald Trump and, of course, the DOJ protecting Joe Biden. And so the Americans that are truly paying attention, the Americans that are truly looking at all of this and saying, you know, why is the president trying to sit here and tell us that the economy is really good when we know that it's not? I mean, this whole thing regarding Bidenomics. Now, first of all, there's a headline uh, this morning, and this was from Newsweek. Household savings collapse sparks recession fears among economists. This was from uh, July 3rd. This is from yesterday or two days ago, I guess now. While Americans had built up savings at an unprecedented rate following the pandemic, households are struggling to put money away this year, a trend that has fueled fears among economists of an incoming recession. I mean, all you have to do is look at, I mean, any number of factors, right? I mean, you've got how much money have you put away? For most Americans, unfortunately, they've spent, we've spent a lot of money just trying to keep up with inflation because you know that real wages are down. So we can talk about that. We, we can talk about inflation. We can talk about our, four, our 401ks. We all know that we've lost a lot of value in our 401ks. Real wages are down. And so as much as the president wants to sit here and say that things are going great, even wants to put his name on it. The reality is that his stimulus packages caused this inflation and that inflation has caused interest rates now to rise. And so now people are absolutely massively loaded with credit card debt. And yet somehow, somehow you've got the president who is out there trying to say that Bidenomics is a good thing, which clearly it's not. Now, Larry Kudlow, who, of course, as many of you folks know, was part of Donald Trump's economic team, He was on Fox Business the other day and he was talking about and he was reacting to how Joe Biden is uh, bragging about the economy that he leads. And part of what Kudlow says is, you know, the more Biden talks and the more the Biden administration tries to, you know, shine this heaping pile of crap that is Bidenomics, the, the less trust the American people are going to have in the president or his team. In the last five quarters or 15 months, the U.S. economy has grown by a paltry, stagnant one percent, one percent. OK, that isn't even growth. Mm-hmm. It's really a growth recession. Uh, you want to compare that? Biden said yesterday he had the fastest growth in the world. Canada to the north of us is growing at three percent. 
Uh, the EU is stagnant at one. India is growing at six and a half. China is growing at about four and a half. So I don't know where he gets that. Well, you know, it doesn't matter because this is a president who, even though he's not a very good president, he's a really good liar. Or is he? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Joe Biden is a really good liar or is it just that the media is out there trying to sell whatever it is that Biden is telling them to sell? Now, last week, you've got Biden in Chicago and he's bragging about all of the money that they've spent on bridges and roads and infrastructure. And and I said last week. You know, you throw billions and billions of dollars at something. Well, then, of course, folks are going to work. I mean, that's great. But it doesn't mean that the cost of things is going down. And so it does seem rather bizarre, at least to me, this strategy of Biden trying to sell his economic success when there clearly, I would say, has not been economic success. I mean, You know what Ronald Reagan said. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? And obviously for most of you and me, no, I'm not better off than I was four years ago. Yet somehow, again, not to belabor the point, but the Biden administration is trying to tell the American people that things are going great when they're not. And Larry Kudlow, he was talking about this again on Fox Business, and he just says that Biden needs to simply stop talking. Biden never talks about inflation, not just the year on year inflation rate, which has come down, as you know, from nine percent plus to about five percent. But the actual level of prices since he became president is up 15.6 percent. It's been devastating for households. Kitchen table prices have soared. And see, that's the thing, you know. And I know that everybody struggles with this who works in my industry, right? Talk show hosts, because there there's so much on a daily basis. There's all of these allegations of corruption with Joe and Hunter Biden influence peddling. Influence threatening, if you look at those WhatsApp messages, all of that on a daily basis, drip, 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 corruption, corruption, corruption. But the real question is, what can you actually prove? Well, I believe that uh, you've got some of these Republicans now, James Comer being one, they can prove a lot. But there is there are a few things that are simply irrefutable, that you simply cannot deny the fact that the economy is not doing well. And so when I sit behind this microphone hosting, you know, Red Eye Radio for Gary and Eric or during the morning show on WTN in Nashville, Tennessee, heard 6 to 10 uh, Eastern time at 997WTN.com. I've got a list of stories. And a lot of those stories have to do with the corruption and the influence peddling and all of that stuff. But as Larry Kudlow just said, the real kitchen table issues are what really is hurting the American people. You know, the the corruption and the influence peddling and the lies of the Biden administration, that's one thing. And does that hurt America? Clearly that hurts America. But what really hurts you, what devastates you, is the economy.
This is from the Wall Street Journal. When you take inflation into account, average hourly earnings were $11.39 when Biden took office, started to decline immediately and didn't stop falling until inflation peaked in June of 2022. They say they have bounced up a little bit, but we're still back only to 11.03 in May. That is a 3.16% decline in real earnings for the average worker across the 29 months of the Biden presidency. And these aren't numbers from Fox News and these aren't numbers from, you know, some right wing website like Breitbart. No, these are Labor Department statistics. And by the way, we've also seen wages across all income earners go down. The poor, middle class, and yes, the higher end as well. Here's more from Larry Kudlow. In the bottom quintile, you've got wages falling 2.3% in real terms, okay? In the next quintile, these are all middle, lower middle class. Wages have dropped 3.9%. And overall, wages have fallen 2.1%. This is the problem with the Biden economy. There's no growth. And real wages have fallen because the level of prices have skyrocketed. Yes, and it does. He just talked about the level of prices. Prices have been going up. And by the way, one of the things that Biden likes to say, one of the things that is I not so affectionately call Corinne Jean-Pierre, I, I refer to her as cringe. Cringe Jean-Pierre. And they keep trying to say, well, you, you know, inflation is getting a lot better. We will never get that money back. This is one of the things that I often say is that we'll never get that money back that we lost during the height of inflation. We won't. And when will our 401ks recover? It's another question. And Americans across the country, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, they have accumulated and accrued credit card debt trying to pay things off. And so while Biden is out there trying to forgive college student loan debt, how many of us have racked up credit card debt that it's going to take us forever to pay off? Because we were trying to pay off and pay for our groceries or our electric bill or whatever it is. Basically, we're trying to pay for uh, Bidenflation. And so, yes, it does have to do with his spending, his stimulus packages that weren't necessary, that uh, fueled inflation. That is a fact. And so they keep saying that, that Biden faced a terrible economy when he took office. But you folks know that he didn't. The covid economy, when Biden took office and, and took that oath of office, it was essentially over because people are going back to work. The lockdowns are being lifted. All Joe Biden had to do was stay the hell out of the way. But he didn't. His American rescue plan, as most folks know, wasn't necessary. And that just as a lot of economists will tell you, including including Larry Kudlow, what that did was that added rocket fuel to inflation. I said I didn't name it Bidenomics. I didn't realize the economist in The Wall Street Journal did. But I think it's a plan that I'll, I'm happy to call Bidenomics. Okay, you go right on ahead, Mr. President. You, 
you continue to call today's economy where 38 percent of the American people say the economy is terrible. You continue to put your name on the economy if you so choose. It might be to your own peril come 2024. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. That is where we find Paul calling from Idaho on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Paul. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Happy Fourth of July. I hope you had a happy Fourth of July. It was great. Thank you. And uh, go ahead with your uh, comment. Yeah, my comment is uh, I'm curious as to what happened to the billion and a half dollar loan, interest free loan. That- that the uh, Biden crime family got from the Chinese and what it's being used for and whether or not it's been kept in China the whole time. So there's really basically no no money trail that can be followed by Congress mm-hmm. or whether it's been shipped off to the Caymans or even Swiss in Switzerland. Well, and let me tell you, let me tell you. Well, I I got to run, but I do appreciate the call. Let me tell you what I would say is this, and and, and coming up, I've got some great audio from James Comer on this. Uh, remember, one of the things that they said was that they have this thing going through so many different channels and so many different uh, accounts and so forth that they said it'll take ten years uh, for investigators in Congress to figure out. Uh, where all of this money went. I don't think it's going to take 10 years. I don't know if it's $1.5 billion, but what I do know is that it looks really, really bad for the Biden administration and for Hunter and Joe Biden specifically. His story, by the way, has changed as well. Joe's uh, story has changed. We'll talk about that as well coming up on Red Eye Radio. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HowlProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now... It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 
And thank you very much for joining us here. 866-907-3339 is indeed the phone number. You can find out more about me on Twitter and Facebook on the socials at Dan Mandis Show. I host a morning show 6 to 10 Eastern in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. You can listen at 99.7 WTN.com. There is a lot of news out there. By the way, hope you did have a great 4th of July. I got to tell you that the more we find out about the corruption of Hunter Biden and and Joe Biden, I want to make sure that you understand that there has been a change in vernacular with the president. Remember way back, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, way back when the president was asked, okay, so did you know anything about Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. And the the president said time and time and time again, no. I never spoke to Hunter about his overseas business dealings, had no idea what he was doing, had no idea what he was involved in. The more that we find out about Joe Biden and and his involvement with Hunter Biden in the sense that, you know, there was conversations, as you no doubt know by now, that clearly Joe and Hunter did have conversations. The message has now changed from the White House, where now they say, well, Joe Biden never worked with Hunter Biden. So it's changed from Joe and Hunter never spoke to now Joe and Hunter never worked together. And so once again, The president has been caught in a lie. Now, here's the thing. You have the Republicans and they've been doing everything they possibly can to try to track all of this down. And I got to tell you, it is yeoman's work for James Comer, head of head of the House Oversight Committee. Now, we all know the accusations. Apparently, Comer and the House Oversight is going to focus now on Hunter Biden and Burisma. Now, we all know the accusations with this one particular company. Burisma paid Hunter and Joe, again, accusations, $5 million each to get the Ukrainian government to stop their investigation into Burisma. $5 million. Now, here's the thing. Hunter, as you know, was part of the board of this company, Burisma, had absolutely No qualifications whatsoever, but they were being investigated by the Ukrainian government. And then Joe Biden stepped in. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I look, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. I mean, that, that is basically Joe Biden, and, and he is bragging that he was there to give Ukraine a billion dollars, but he wouldn't release the billion dollars unless they dropped or fired the prosecutor that was investigating Burisma. And as the president now says, son of a bitch, they fired him, and they did. Well, now the latest is that James Comer, of course, chair of the House Oversight Committee, is going to drill deep into this allegation and asking for more 
of these suspicious activity reports related specifically to Burisma. Now, this is huge and incredibly important in this conversation because at least it seems to me this is one of the more easily provable allegations of bribery and corruption. Here's more from James Comer. He was on Fox News talking about this. Now, today we've requested more information. We're going to request more suspicious activity reports relating to Burisma. Okay. The oligarch bragged that investigators, it would take 10 years to find all the different transactions that they oh. uh, gave, that they used to launder the money to the Biden. So we think they used... Uh, through loans. We think they transferred through other countries. We think they transferred through stocks. Uh, we requested stock accounts in addition to bank accounts. So we're, we're going through this, but we also have information that would lead us to believe there's information in suspicious activity reports where banks realized what was going on. They, they are pretty ca- quick to catch money laundering. And that's what all the banks did in the previous suspicious activity reports. Yeah. And, and remember, you know, you have so many people that are out there that are just saying, well, you know, why is it taking so long? Some of these allegations go way back to when Joe Biden was vice president. Well, the reason why it's taking so long is because, number one, you just heard James Comer talk about how it, it you know, these uh These oligarchs said, yeah, it'll take uh, 10 years for them to unravel all of this. That's number one. Number two, remember, as far as the suspicious activity reports, the Treasury Department was blocking the Republicans' ability to get those suspicious activity reports when the Democrats had control of the House of Representatives. And so it wasn't until fairly recently that they got their hands on all of these suspicious activity reports. And what they're finding is evidence, as you no doubt know, evidence of racketeering. All of those shell companies funneling money into those nine Biden family members. So the question is, and and this is what everybody is asking James Comer, Can you actually track this money from the Biden pressure to fire that prosecutor? Because, again, remember, we're talking specifically about Burisma now. Can you track the money, the $10 million that this oligarch says was given to Hunter and Joe to fire that prosecutor? Can you trace that money? being funneled through these shell companies, which, by the way, had no real purpose, into the accounts of these various Biden family members. Whether it is Hunter Biden, whether it is some of these other Biden family members, that that's the big question. And that's what everybody wants to know is, can that money be tracked? Can that money be traced? What we're requesting now are suspicious activity reports relating to anyone that was involved in Burisma, because we believe this will help us track the $10 million that the oligarch said he sent to both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Well, now, here's the thing. I know that we all know that there is a a ton of stories out there swirling around Hunter and, and of course, uh, Joe Biden. And, And a lot of these stories, of course, as you well know, they're connected. Hunter and Joe had an influence peddling scheme that 
connects them with corrupt countries across the world, including Russia, China, Ukraine as well. I think Romania is in there, too. So you've got the IRS looking at at Hunter's failure to pay taxes. You've got the DOJ blocking the IRS from filing more substantive charges against Hunter. We still don't know the scope of the investigation. And that's one of the biggest questions that is out there today. Is when you have the U.S. attorney in Delaware and they're looking at at all of this uh, corruption and these allegations of corruption and the IRS issues with Hunter Biden. What was the scope of the investigation? Were they only looking at the money that Biden, Hunter Biden, did not pay the taxes on? Or did they also look at how that money was gotten? Was it was it ill gotten money, as Joe Biden (laughs) said in the past? How were those millions of dollars earned? Not only did he or did he not pay taxes, but where did all that money come from anyway? And so you've got the IRS looking at Hunter's failure to pay taxes on money. You've got the DOJ blocking the IRS and David Weiss as well from filing more substantive charges against Hunter. Again, we don't know the scope of the investigation there. You've got the 1023 that had all of this compromising and suspicious information on Hunter Biden and Joe that the DOJ sat on for years and still won't release. And by the way, you've got Comer. He was talking last night about Joe Biden, you know, the grandpa and how he passes himself off as this this great grandfatherly type when in reality he was actually using his grandkids to funnel money. One of them is is scarred for life because she got hung up in the Biden family influence peddling. We found out about her through a bank violation called a suspicious activity report. They were funneling money that they were were laundering through shell companies down to one of his grandchildren. This is not a good role model for how grandparents should be. And, And here's the other thing as it relates to David Weiss, because everybody wants to know U.S. Attorney David Weiss, right, out of Delaware. He's the guy that everybody wants to hear from because you have these six IRS whistleblowers that are saying that David Weiss told them that, man, you know what? I want to file more substantive charges. I want to, you know, have special counsel status so that I can, you know, look at things further. I want to, you know, file charges in Washington, D.C. and California. But the DOJ just won't let me. And these six IRS whistleblowers took notes and said that is what David Weiss told us. Well, then you've got Weiss and Merrick Garland, the two of them saying, oh, no, there's nothing to see here. I think what happened is Weiss said that to the IRS agents. Now all of this this information is coming out. And now you've got the DOJ saying to Weiss, our story has to match. And you've got to deny that you ever said these things. You better get on the same page as Merrick Garland, David Weiss. I think that's part of what's going on. But one thing is obvious. Hunter Biden is staying really close to daddy these days because he knows that things are getting dicey. 
There's a lot of media coverage on this. The, the media is, believe it or not, at least some media members, actually asking questions. Finally. And polling shows not only that Joe Biden is seen more and more as corrupt, and he's not doing well in his presidency. So you have Hunter Biden going off to vacations with his dad, off to, for example, Camp David, attending White House dinners as well. And James Comer says that, uh, yeah, this is all by design, because what Joe's trying to do is not only protect his son, but also protect himself. She was in college. She wasn't doing some kind of uh, shenanigans with with a Romanian foreign national. This is how the Biden family operates. And and what becoming more evident every day, Joe Biden did use Hunter uh, to be the fall guy in case anything happened. And he's always told his son, according to everyone that we've interviewed who had anything to do with the Biden family influence penalty, that uh, don't worry, son, you're a Biden and I'll keep you out of trouble. And thus far, he's been able to do that. All right. So a couple more headlines very quickly because this is running long. But, you know, here's the thing. When I talk, when, you know, Eric and Gary, when when anybody talks about the allegations of corruption and and racketeering and the rest of this from the the Biden crime family, as some people say. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of allegations and, and there's a lot of different countries and there's millions of dollars and there's dozens and dozens of, of these suspicious activity reports. There's dozens and dozens of these shell companies as well. So this is a situation that is complicated. It's getting a lot more complicated. And and just to add another wrinkle to it, here's another headline from the last 24 hours. A Democrat donor offered to testify about a 2017 meeting with Joe Biden where there were some suspicious uh, conversations going on even then. And that donor never contacted, was never contacted by this David Weiss. So they contacted the people that were investigating and the people that were, that were investigating, you know, the DOJ and David Weiss. They said, these people have allegations. We're not going to bother to contact these people because they might say something bad uh, about Hunter Biden, which would connect Hunter Biden to Joe Biden. So that's the, the very latest on this story. We also know, by the way, that in that same vein, you had Tony Bobolinsky reach out to uh, David Weiss as well. And they never contacted Tony Bobolinsky again. Why were they never contacted? Because they knew that Bobolinsky, perhaps just like this Democrat donor, they knew that if they contact these two, then they would have to continue on with the investigation into what they had to say. And they wanted to protect Biden at all costs. 866-907-3339 is the phone number. 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. 
Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED Eye. Dan Mandis in for Carrie and Eric. Did you see this story? Did you did you hear about this story? Probably not. The headline is Armed Las Vegas worker was stopped likely a mass murderer in his tracks. But not shocking, received little attention. You see, when you have armed people. You know, you have uh, folks who are uh, card carrying members of, uh, you know, the NRA, people who are are carrying legally and they are Second Amendment supporters. And they stop the bad guys in their tracks. Nobody's going to talk about it. Why? Because for people like me and people like a lot of you who are Second Amendment supporters, when we say that we need good guys with guns to stop the bad guys with guns, you have all of these people on the left that will say, oh, no, are you kidding? We can't possibly. We can't possibly have the answer to, quote unquote, gun crime in America as more guns. We can't possibly do it. Well, yes, we can. We can actually say that the answer to gun crime, air quote, gun crime in America is more guns in the hands of good guys who know how to use a gun. So a Las Vegas worker who notices, and I'll be able to get into some of these details coming up, but you've got this guy, again, an employee who is working in Las Vegas, who sees a bad guy, a likely mass shooter, getting ready to start doing what mass shooters do, and this guy stopped them in his tracks. That is absolutely huge. Yes, it is huge news. And news that the majority of the media simply refuses to cover. And the question is why? Why would they refuse to cover that? Well, it's obvious. The reason why they would refuse to cover that is because it goes against their narrative. But, you know, the question is, how many lives do you think that person saved? When I tell you the story, you'll realize, just like I do... This guy saved a lot of lives. Details coming up on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. I mean, look, most of you folks know that 
a good guy with a gun is a great way to stop a bad guy with a gun. Why is the media so incredibly afraid of reporting on one of those oh-so-familiar situations where that exact scenario happened? This happened in Las Vegas. A, A great story. This is is the story from Fox News. A gunman wearing a helmet and carrying an AR-15 style rifle, they say, put that in air quotes, was caught on camera at the entrance of an upscale Las Vegas apartment complex before an armed employee of the building opened fire and stopped him in his tracks. You see, this is part of what infuriates me about some of these places that are no-gun zones, right? You've got workplaces that are no-gun zones. You've got schools that are no-gun zones. You've got places of business that are no-gun zones. Here's my question. And obviously, I'm asking this rhetorically because I know that most of you folks do indeed have a lick of sense and, and know the answer to this question. What would have happened if this guy who is walking in and carrying a rifle and he's also wearing a helmet. What do you think would have happened if this dude just opened fire and you did not have a good guy with a gun to take him out? Even some churches, again, no gun zones. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Questions on how the incident played out remain unanswered for days as media coverage was minimal. Despite the worker having foiled what appeared to be a mass shooting attempt, Heritage Foundation senior legal fellow Amy Swearer was talking about this. She says, and this is a quote telling Fox News Digital, there's no audio. Normally, she says, quote, when you have some sort of video like this, especially when it's what appears to be an active shooting situation, that is something that makes national news. She says, I've never seen that not pick up steam of some sort. But you see, and even Biden today in his fourth of uh, in his fourth of July speech came out and literally said, we've got to stop gun violence. You've got to stop gun violence. This story out of Las Vegas, you know what that tells you? That tells you that the way to stop gun violence is good guys with a gun. But just that statement is enough to trigger the left. Just that statement is enough to uh, trigger the media because the media, of course, as you know, is all in on everything related to. And again, I'm putting this in air quotes, gun violence and the president telling America we need to stop gun violence. And, you know, we have all of these things that are going on across the country. And we had another one. Did you see this? This is an interesting story. This was in Philadelphia, and I'm chuckling. There's nothing funny about this. It is actually a horrible story. But there is a headline, and this is from the New York Post. You know, there's uh, these folks in San Francisco, right, where there's like a committee in San Francisco, and and they are there to uh, study reparations. And so there's two different – Eric and Gary have talked about this. There's two different committees to study reparations. There's one for the state of California, and then there's another one for, I guess, it's the city of San Francisco. Maybe it's the county. Don't know, don't really care. But there's two. Nicole Cunningham, who serves on San Francisco's 
15-person African-American Reparations Advisory Committee launched a broadside against straight white men in an interview with the Daily Telegraph. Do you know what she said? This isn't racist much. This is the quote. Straight white men are abusive. Straight white men are serial killers, she says. They have the most, I watch these shows, she said. The most serial killers, straight white men, are the ones who are shooting up schools. Right, she says. And so I'm, I'm reading this. And I'm thinking, that is absolutely racist. She says that straight white men are a danger to society. Now, one of the things that I said when I tweeted this out, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Manda Show. And I, I tweeted this story out. And one of, one of the things that I said was, you know what? I, I would ask this Nicole Cunningham. I would say, OK, Nicole, let me ask you a question. What would happen? If all of those, quote, straight white men who were cops decided not to show up to work on a day, what would happen? What would happen in San Francisco? What would happen in Los Angeles? I mean, we already know what would happen. What would happen is there would be even more rampant crime in those cities if all of those really dangerous straight white men who were cops Decided just to not show up one day. I mean, if if it wouldn't turn into such a, you know, horrific situation, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see and I'm and I'm. I'm being cautious here because I don't want to say that I'm advocating for violence because I'm certainly not. But there are so many people out there that are so incredibly ignorant That they say things like straight white men are a danger to society. And then when I look at police forces across the country and there's a lot of I can't talk to who are straight and who's gay. I can't speak to that. But a lot of them are white. And I'd be willing to bet a lot of them are straight, too. So what would happen? Well, everybody knows what would happen because we've already seen what happens in some of these communities across the country. When bail reforms start uh, being implemented, I mean, we we see that in Chicago, we see that in Chicago, we see that in Washington, D.C. You folks listening on WMAL in Washington, D.C. know exactly what I'm talking about. So these folks like Nicole Cunningham and others who believe in bail reform. And then you sit here and you talk about how, you know, straight white men are a danger to society. Right. Got it. Cunningham also telling the Telegraph that white people should be held accountable for the actions of slave owners as they are still benefiting from the harms that their ancestors caused. You know, one of the things that that frustrates me about this, and I don't want to get into, into a whole reparations thing because i think it's silly but one of the things is okay so how, how exactly is it that you're going to prove that the people that are supposed to get these reparations were actually descendants of slaves and how are they going to prove that 
you know, the, the taxpayers, every single one of them benefited from slavery? I think not. And she slammed white men for not backing reparations. Here's her quote. You ready? Stupidity in action. She says white men are not backing reparations. Well, again, she's, you know, but by the way, this is clearly racist, right? I mean, when you are grouping all white men into one category, then that's racist because you're judging them as a group based on their skin color. But she says, no, they're not backing these reparations. So if anything, they pose more of a harm than support and help. And then she says, you've got to remember their ancestors are the ones who were standing out here in their Sunday best watching black people hang and burn. That's the comments of one Nicole Cunningham who serves on California's San Francisco's 15-person African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. Last week, the Reparations Task Force handed lawmakers its draft report. Listen to this, by the way. I thought this is interesting. Under its eligibility requirements for the money, residents must be over 18 And identify as black for at least 10 years. What is that? Identify as black? So if that means, because I'm 55 years old. So let's say at the age of 40, I decided for whatever reason, I'm white. Let's just say for whatever reason, I identified as black. So then can I, because I've been identifying as black for, you know, the last 10 years, does that mean that I can get money? Even though clearly, as a white guy, perhaps, I was not from, uh, I don't have a, a line of ancestors that were, uh, that were slaves. Do you see how bizarre this is? I mean, but this is the same kind of thinking where they can't even identify as a woman. They, they can't identify a woman. They also have to meet at least two of eight tests including being descended from slaves or having been, wait for it, incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. But what she said, let's go back to the original thing. The original topic of, of, of this segment was that she said that white men are serial killers. She says straight white men are the ones that are shooting up schools, right? So they are a danger to society. She says, by the way, adding quickly, I'm sure not all of them. Nice little disclaimer. But here's the thing. She says it's white men that are shooting up schools. Well, here here in Nashville, the Covenant School shooter was done by a, a, a female, biological female that identified as a male. I have no idea what her sexual proclivities were. And quite frankly, I don't care. But that proves that this uh, lady in San Francisco is obviously wrong on that front. Add to that the shooting in Philadelphia that just happened here in the last day or two, where there's five people that have been shot and killed. You know who did that? Uh, You know, you know who pulled the trigger on on those uh, shootings? 
a cross-dressing Black Lives Matter supporter, a guy who apparently is bizarrely a Donald Trump supporter, but also somehow supports Black Lives Matter, the political organization, I'm assuming. His name is Kim Brady Carricker, and he is seen in Facebook posts dressed as a woman wearing a bra and gold bracelets, among other things. So this is a guy, I don't know if he identifies as a woman, but he likes to dress as one, and he also happens to be black. So I, I would like someone to ask this woman in, uh, in San Francisco, Nicole Cunningham, can, can you explain those two situations? Can you explain the Philadelphia shooter who is black and also a uh, cross-dresser who supports, by the way, Black Lives Matter. But it, but here's the bizarre thing is he killed several black men, this guy in Philadelphia. So how can you on the one hand see this is this is why trying to make logic out of any of this just is just a waste of time. So the dude in Philadelphia, a black cross-dresser who apparently, based on some social media posts, perhaps is a Donald Trump supporter, clearly a 2A supporter, also supports Black Lives Matter, yet killed several black men in Philadelphia. None of this stuff makes any sense. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. This certainly does not bode well for the president. Joe Biden sees public confidence plunge. They say in humiliating Fourth of July poll. Let me tell you something, friends. We're going to go over some of this a, a little more uh, in the next hour because these numbers—they have not seen numbers like this in I, I think ever. I mean, the president may have actually found a new bottom in in polling. So we're, we're going to talk about this because as America was celebrating the 4th of July, we are clearly. Abundantly clearly. Not celebrating our president. We're not celebrating our economy. We're not celebrating our foreign policy failures. We're not celebrating crime in the streets. We're not celebrating the corruption of the Biden family. And, of course, we're certainly not celebrating the lies of the Biden administration because we hear them day in, day out. I've got the details coming up on Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And thank you very much for being here on Red Eye Radio. The phone number is indeed 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook, all the socials, actually, at Dan Mandis Show. I do host a morning show, 6 to 10 Eastern, on Super Talk 99.7 here in Nashville, Tennessee. You can listen, if you'd like, at 99.7 WTN. Dot com. There is a lot of uh, news out there this morning, especially for the day after the 4th of July. I, I was talking about some of the bad polling news for uh, for Joe Biden. One of the things that I find fascinating, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but what I find really interesting is that the president continues to try to sort of own the economy. And if there's anything that the president should not be trying to do is owning the economy, because the economy, of course, is, as I was saying, is just not very good. I mean, as a matter of fact, it just sucks. Can we just can I can use that sucks, right? The economy sucks. And so the more that the president continues to own by name. This Bidenomics, the, the more his polling, I believe, is going to go down. And I, and I think part of it. I think part of it is because I think the American people understand that the president is lying to them when he tries to say that the economy is going well when it clearly is not. And believe it or not, even the media, even the media is asking questions like, how can you look at the economy knowing that 38 percent of the American people believe you are doing a terrible job on the economy. So what do you do? If you're Joe Biden, you would think that he would try to point to, you know, other things that he supposedly has done good, good, good things for the country. But he clearly has not. I mean, if you're Joe Biden and you're thinking, okay, so what have I not screwed up? What can I point to which would be a victory Heading into 2024. I mean, let's just go down the list, shall we? I mean, you've got, uh, you know, foreign relations. You've got China. You've got the uh, corruption, of course, of which we cover a lot. I mean, there's not any place where I can look where the Biden uh, administration hasn't completely train wrecked. And so I think part of the, the, the bad polling for Biden and where the American people have have just completely lost confidence in not only Joe Biden, but the Biden administration. I think that his age clearly is an issue, but it's not really his age. It's just his state of mind. Because Joe, let's face it, he's got some cognitive uh, issues there and everyone knows that. So it's not the age, it's the cognitive decline, but, but that's, that's one of the things that the American people are, are losing confidence in. But then when you just you look at all of the lies that the administration has told, I mean, how long did we hear that the border was secure when clearly it wasn't? And part of the problem with all of that is that the media 
has been doing everything they can, as they tend to do. They try to cover and they try to protect the president. Let's say hello to Bill in Los Angeles on Red Eye Radio. By the way, the phone lines are wide open, 866-907-3339. Bill, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Hi, Dan. Uh, Good to hear your voice again. Uh, as a as a former journalist who, who used to work in the corporate newspaper business uh, in uh, Columbia J School grad '86, I remember how uh, the Washington Post, in particular, followed later by the New York Times, went after Richard Nixon in an uphill battle. Uh, you, you probably remember the the movie All the President's Men. Oh yes. Yeah, they made us watch that the first week of uh, Columbia J School in 85. And we were, you know, it, it's got some uh, cheesy moments, but we were generally inspired by that. And the Washington Post, you know, to give them credit, they they were slapped down by the Nixon administration right and left for the, about the first, I don't know, five or six months. And they, they made some mistakes, too. But they kept at it. And pretty soon everybody else got on board, including The New York Times. And as you know, you know, it was downhill from there for, for the, uh, the Watergate burglars and, the, and that whole routine. And yet in this situation, the, the Washington Post is missing in action. And the, the trigger should have been that Biden clip that you played earlier of him saying, yeah, I withheld a billion dollars, you know, because I want that prosecutor fired. That should have set off alarm bells everywhere in the media saying this is conflict of interest. I don't care about bribery at this point. That is conflict of interest. That used to be the gold standard for any investigation by the media. So we're, we're so far in the weeds on this. And it's been 10 years since that Biden clip. So now what do they do? Do they say, oh, you know, for the last nine years, we've we've known this is corruption, but we just chose not to report on it. And same with the DOJ. We we just we knew this was going on, but we chose not to investigate it. They're in a real spot now. And I think that explains why they're, they're just stonewalling, because they what choice do they have but to do that? Well, you know, it's interesting because hasn't the New York Post really replaced the Washington Post and the New York Times as the newspaper of record in the sense that they came up with the first the Hunter Biden laptop story? And then to your point, you had this complete lack of of journalistic curiosity. And so it used to be a story like that came out, as you well know, a story like that came out. And then the other media outlets would start their own investigations and try and build upon the foundation of the leading newspaper on a particular story. Now, the New York Times and the Washington Post and the social media companies as well, they decided that it was their job to uh, try and discredit the New York Post article. And so they all look really bad in this case. And I I think part of what's going to happen here in the next, I mean, it's already started to happen, Bill, as you well know, people just have completely lost faith in you know, the, the newspaper business, the, the mainstream media, as we like to say, because of that bias. But the problem is, you're correct. Everything you said is correct. The difference I see now is that the people running the show in Washington don't care about the New York Post, just like the politicians in general don't care about the New York Post, because there's been a, a culture shift among the media and among the politicians. And they're saying, we hate Whoever the Republican is, in this case, Donald Trump, we hate that guy so much that we're going to sell our souls 
to keep him out of office. We're going to do whatever we got to do. And that's what is completely unfamiliar to me. And, and I didn't know any even liberal people back in the 80s who thought that way. None. So this, this is a complete culture change that I think is traceable to the Obama administration, which is when Vice President Biden should have been stopped in his tracks by the media. But by that time, they had bought into Obama's, you know, new America routine. And, you know, we're going to we're going to incorporate all this uh, woke stuff. And there, there's something happened in, in that time between uh, between Obama and uh, and uh, uh, Trump's first term. So we're, we're in a real spot now. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, Bill. I, I'm going I'm to leave you with this question. Is this bad journalism or is just propaganda for the left or or anti-propaganda for the right? Uh, is is what bad journalism? Just what what the Washington Post and the New York Times are doing. Would you call this bad journalism or has it just gotten to the point where they are propaganda for the Democrats? Well, I, I think it's even worse than that. I think it's negligent journalism. OK, negligent, negligent journalism. I, I like that. And I do uh, appreciate your call. Thank you very much. That is Bill calling from Los Angeles. And he is right. I mean, when you look at everything that the media has been completely ignoring when it comes to Donald Trump, when it comes to uh, how many times Donald Trump was correct in a lot of the things that he said when he said it was a witch hunt. And the media. Time and time and time again, when Donald Trump was proven right that it was a witch hunt, they're just completely lacking in any kind of reporting or, or even a um, acknowledgement that the former president was right. I mean, you, you still have some people in the media that think that the, 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 the Mueller report was wrong and that Donald Trump did collude with the Russians. I mean, you, you still have people that are out there saying that even though and reporting on that, even though that has been debunked time and time and time again. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339. Appreciate you being here. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. They return on Sunday night, Monday morning. So I I thought this was uh, funny. There was a story out uh, before the 4th of July. And the the story, the, the basic headline was that Michelle Obama was, as they like to say, rage tweeting over inequality, right? And she's talking about how, you know, black people are oppressed, so on and so forth. And word was that she was rage tweeting about inequality and and about how black folks are oppressed from a fancy Greek yacht. They were vacationing out in the Mediterranean. That story from the American thinker. It, It must be so difficult for Michelle and Barack Obama because you know, they are so oppressed as they are, you know, rage tweeting from a fancy Greek yacht out in the Mediterranean. 
Well, we have another one of those stories out. And people, of course, mocked the uh, Obamas. I Personally, I thought that was funny. And listen, just so we're clear, I have absolutely no issue with people expressing their opinions. I, I don't. I mean, most people don't. But I just I think it's awfully rich that you have the Obamas out there on a big fancy yacht in, in, in the middle of some fancy exotic vacation as they're rage tweeting about uh, inequality and about how black folks are oppressed. Well, there's another story out there today, and, and it's kind of along the same lines. Th- this is the headline. WNBA player shredded after calling America trash ahead of the 4th of July. Now, I'm sorry, where have we heard this before? Because we have heard of WNBA players uh, trashing America, and we all know what happened to Brittany Griner. WNBA player Natasha Cloud's Twitter hot take calling America trash is getting roasted on several fronts, including from NBA star and human rights champion Ennis Cantor Freedom who cautioned that she would not want to see the other side. So this is a, this is a woman, and uh, she is in the WNBA, and she decides to take to Twitter and complain about the Supreme Court's controversial affirmative action ruling that dominated headlines last Thursday and beyond, writing in full. You ready? Our country is trash in so many ways, And instead of using our resources to make it better, we continue to oppress marginalized groups that we have targeted since the beginning of times, she says. Black, brown communities and LGBTQ, man, we are too powerful to still be attacking issues separate. That's what she says. In a separate series of tweets, Cloud launched... And lashed out, lashed out with attacks invoking religion. Now, you're going to have to work with me here because I'm trying to interpret her tweet. You ready? Y'all fina, F-I-N-N-A, y'all fina, make me money because of how you, uh, because of how much real estate I'm holding in y'all's minds. And also for my religion weaponizers, y'all, the people that killed Jesus. It's a good thing she's good at basketball because English, not so much. Uh, She added, religion in this country is political. It is weaponized. It is hypocritical. It is, she says, disappointing. She says, it's not love because God is love in the purest form. Take a good hard look at how y'all live your life in a constant state of hate and judgment. Hypocrisy at its finest. Well, who is she talking to? Because just because the Supreme Court came up with a constitutional decision does not mean that we're all, you know, politicizing religion and that we are living our lives in constant state of hate and judgment. Now, it is her, I would say, that is living her life in a constant state of hate and judgment because if that's the way that she feels about people who simply have a constitutional disagreement, well, then it seems to me like she is an example 
of hypocrisy at its finest. But can I just say, did she, did she not learn anything from the situation regarding Brittany Griner? I mean, Brittany Griner, I don't need to retell the story the millionth time. Everybody knows that Brittany, Brittany Griner hated America, didn't want to come out for the national anthem, all that garbage. And then she goes to Russia and gets thrown in a Russian prison. And then we traded an arms dealer to get her back. And then God knows what's going to happen in the future. And so Freedom fired back, the the basketball player, fired back at her on Twitter, telling Cloud to ask her colleague, Brittany Griner, who was infamously held captive in a Russian prison for months after being detained at a Moscow airport, about her experience in a less forgiving country. Because remember, Griner has now come out, to her credit, by the way, and said, yeah, you know, the... The national anthem, it, it lands differently now. Now that she's seen what life truly is like on the other side. So he writes, calling America trash, huh? He wrote in part, let me know when your season is over. I'll buy your ticket and we can go together to countries like China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, and Turkey. I love that. Because, you see, the, these folks, they do need to be, I'm just going to be honest with you, they need to be put in their place. Because I don't know, I don't know about you, but I am just, I'm tired of these folks constantly running down America, not accepting, choosing not to understand how great America is and how they have had fantastic opportunity to succeed here in, uh, here in the United States. But instead, all they do is run their mouths as they run down America, specifically heading uh, heading into the 4th of July. That's what Natasha Cloud chose to do. Really, really bad form. And, and I absolutely love that Ennis Cantor Freedom put her in her place because people like her do need to be put in their place. And at the very least, because people are saying that she, she lacks uh, perspective. Well, that is abundantly clear that she lacks perspective and you don't want ever. I wasn't one of those people that was, you know, jumping down and excited that Brittany Griner was being held in a a Russian prison. I didn't think that was a good thing. I thought it was a horrible thing. But at the very least. Brittany Griner and people like Brittany Griner did get what I would say was a reality check. Because that is what they desperately need. People like this, uh, people like this Natasha Cloud need the same kind of reality check that Brittany Griner got. Now, again, I don't want to see Natasha Cloud thrown in a Russian prison. But what I would like to see is people like Ennis Cantor Freedom give these folks the perspective that they need for a reality check. Because if there's anybody that does need a reality check, it is people like Natasha Cloud.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Appreciate you listening to Red Eye Radio. To the phones we go. Let's say hello to Richard in Louisville, Kentucky on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Richard, how are you? Yeah, hi, Dan. Happy Fourth of July. You too. Um, I think this is a good time to raise a, an important existential question. Um how long can the American people continue to tolerate the amount of lying coming out of the White House and the left? Uh, how long can America last while we're allowing this kind of thing to go on? Um, it, it's creating a huge amount of distrust. I think uh, – a large amount, a large percentage of the population is willing to trade off uh, that level of distrust for free stuff as they perceive it. But I think they're they're walking us into into such a disintegrated state that we're just going to we're going to be quite vulnerable to just con- to to a communist takeover. Well, he, Richard, here's what I would say is. Conservatives and Republicans and independents, you know, you ask how long can America last? We as conservatives need to do everything that we can to spread the word about whether it is Trump, whether it is DeSantis, whoever it is. We need to stand behind whoever the GOP nominee is going to be. There's part of me and this is going to you know, upset some folks. This may, may trigger some of you folks, but there's Trump supporters out there. There are some Trump supporters out there who will say they will support no one else other than Donald Trump. There's some DeSantis voters or supporters who will say they will never support Donald Trump. Well, it's that kind of thinking that will lead us to another four years of, as as you say, uh, Richard, the the lies that they're telling the uh, American people. And, And so to me, one of the biggest challenges that we have, and I know this isn't necessarily what you what you called to talk about, but, you know, what we need to do as as a is a conservatives is we need to look at how we can get behind whoever the nominee is and move forward as a party. Now, just so you folks know, if you don't listen to me in Nashville, where I host a morning show, uh, I have been saying for, I don't know, the last year or so. When it comes to the Republican primary, I'm very much of a conservative. I'm also very much of a free agent. I like Tim Scott. I like Donald Trump. I think Trump has scoreboard, especially after what we saw with the Supreme Court here in the last uh, you know year. Roe versus Wade going back to the uh, going back to the states. Uh, we had, of course, what happened with student loans. I mean, go on and on. We've had as conservatives. A lot of Supreme Court victories. Those victories are because of Donald Trump. And so you may hate what the former president says. You may hate some of the things that he does, but the man has scoreboard. And so for some folks to say, there's no way that I would vote for Donald Trump if he was the nominee. Well, that's very short sighted. 
because there were some people that said that about Donald Trump uh, when he was running against Hillary in uh, 2016. And it was just that kind of attitude that would have led us to a, a Hillary Clinton White House. But people like me and I wasn't sold on Donald Trump. But people like me went out and voted specifically because of those Supreme Court picks. And so every time there's there is a conservative victory related to the Supreme Court, I think back to 2016. And I think back to even though I really liked Ted Cruz. And I was really angry. When Donald Trump was the nominee. Trump did amazing things, and I came around like a lot of folks did. And so when you say, uh, Richard, when you say how long can America last if, uh, you know, and and tolerate these lies, well, that's, you know, going to be up to conservatives. That's going to be up to moderate conservatives. That's going to be up to DeSantis supporters because it is abundantly clear, even though, yes, we have a a lot of time here. Before the uh, primary. But that's going to be up to DeSantis supporters. And if they will accept Donald Trump as the nominee. And that's up to Donald Trump supporters. And if they will accept Ron DeSantis as the nominee, if for whatever reason, Donald Trump is not the nominee. I don't need to bore you with all of the polling that's out there that shows that the Trump is by far. The one that Republicans are gravitating towards. I was saying earlier uh, earlier in the broadcast that the more, you know, put this in air quotes, the more legal trouble Donald Trump gets into, the higher his numbers go in the primary. And then the question is, of course, can he win a general election? And it just depends on the poll. And by the way, I know, I know, I know. It is a long way away. The primary is a long way away. So the polling just doesn't matter right now. But I, uh, Richard, appreciate the call. Let's say hello to uh, Sandra in Delray Beach, Florida. I'm jealous, Sandra. How are you? Thanks for calling in. <laughs> well, you are fabulous, Dan. You're so wonderful always. Thank you. Thank you. I called because <laughs> no one is pointing a finger. It's, it's startling that no one accuses Obama of knowing, and he had to know full well, of what his vice president was doing. And he and Michelle, the nightmare of thinking about them running for the Democrat office, it's just, it's, it's, it's frightening. And, and I, I don't know how people could ever be so gullible, you know. I'm a big Trump fan, so it, it's really so unfair. I think Obama had a lot to do with tripping up Trump and uh, knowing very well a lot of secrets that I hope will stop him from trying to put his wife into power because that's all I want to talk about is Michelle being a president. Oh. Well, and, and I, think the re- I think the reason why they talk about Michelle, first of all, I believe that it's wishful thinking because I, yeah. I don't believe that Michelle Obama will try and, and run for the White House. And, and you're right. I mean, talk radio hosts have asked for you know, quite some time. What did Obama know? About know that I have in in Nashville. What did Obama know about all of this that uh, Biden was doing? And and so that's number one. But Sandra, let me ask you a question. You said that you're a Trump supporter, so you you yeah. just heard me go on this uh, you know right. long, probably too long rant about 
you know, DeSantis supporters supporting Trump if Trump is the nominee and, and Trump supporters supporting DeSantis is DeSantis is ultimately the, the nominee. As, as a Trump supporter, would you support DeSantis? Because Richard was asking the question, how long can we how long can we as a nation go and, and tolerate what's happening in the White House right now? Well, that just depends on uh, really conservatives. Yes, of course, I would. I would definitely support DeSantis. I think he's a little sneaky what he did, but I'll always support a good Republican. I think he, he was a, he's a good governor in my state. In Florida, he's very good, and I like him. But I, 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 I'm not thrilled that he, he, he's not that loyal with Trump, but that's okay. I would surely support him, and I was a big fan of Ted Cruz as well. And I was hoping he would be the nominee, as you did, but I'm very happy with everything. Trump is so brilliant, and he has such powers that he, he, he had such amazing grace and power over these foreign leaders, these communists and these sneaks. And I'm just hoping that he will be the, the nominee. That well, he will time, be. Will, time will tell, Sandra, and I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Let's say hello to Darren in North Hollywood, California, on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Darren. Hey, Dan, how are you today? I'm all right. Go ahead, sir. All right. So um, earlier, uh, the, the gentleman that called in about the state of news and uh, what's happened since, you know, he, he had come up through uh, journalism school in the 80s. A lot of probable, uh, probably folks on the left and Democrats are a bit confused probably overall about <clears throat> what's been happening here. And and I think the, the, the reason is is because, like, things are have shifted beyond uh, the traditional paradigm of Democrat versus Republican, left versus right, conservative versus liberal. Uh, the, those, those things that we used to debate before, as he observed the Obama administration, I don't think they exist anymore. I think we're now we're kind of entered into the, this more uh, transnational, globalist, WEF, whatnot, uh, realm where, you know, you've got newspapers and other major media outlets that are heavily influenced by not just their advertisers, uh, but also their investors, investors like Vanguard and BlackRock, who more or less tell the people who are in charge of these outlets what they're going to say and how they're going to talk about it. So there is a narrative, and it has nothing to do with getting to the truth, uh, following the evidence, and holding either party accountable in any kind of way. It's essentially they're reading press releases on behalf of the powers that be oh, yes. uh, to promote yes, what it is yes, that yes. they want to promote. Tre- press release yeah. journalism yeah. Is, is bad. I, I think... I mean, I, Darren, I'm not going to argue with anything that you're saying. The one thing that I would add, though, is that in addition mm-hmm. to you know what you're saying about advertisers and so forth, uh, I, I would also mm-hmm. say that the the media is uh, really driven by a, a hatred for everything that they are against, and they are by and large, as you know, they are uh, progressive. And so, if it's and and really, as you know, Donald Trump really did. Uh, bring this out. And it has become far more obvious in the last uh, seven years or so since uh, Donald Trump announced that he was running for president. So there's clearly, in addition to what you're saying, which I believe is true, there is also just this. You will not go against the media because, remember, the media feels like it is their job to tell the American people who they should vote for. And there was not one. I think there was like one little newspaper. There's one little newspaper. I want to say that it was in Nevada 
who endorsed Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Everybody else endorsed Hillary Clinton, and we all know what happened. They have never forgotten that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, is that I think that, you know, one of the observations that I've heard, which makes a lot of sense, and the reason why it is that now uh, the former president is facing, like, all of these indictments and this uh, mission really to get him behind bars before he can even be the, the nominee is because of him coming out against, ultimately, uh, what's going on between Russia and Ukraine and wanting, wanting this stuff to stop. What's interesting is that it's very lucrative for that conflict to continue for and so you, you, you don't want, you know, in, in spite of the fact that we're saying like, OK, yeah, we got to give Republicans. But you've got at the same time Mike Pence going out there to shake hands with Zelensky. You've got Lindsey Graham talking about how awesome this all is. And now we've got to continue to pour hundreds of billions of American dollars into the bloodshed that's going on out there. So you, you really have to, to, to look, I think, a little bit past the, the, the traditional paradigm of Democrat versus Republican and kind of look at the, the global sphere and why all of a sudden was Trump public enemy number one? Because of that. because I mean, certainly when it came to everything else, like the COVID narrative, I mean, he pretty much fell in line. He continues to say that the, the what we all know to be not true uh, about the, the shots and their effectiveness and safety. Uh, you know, he continues to talk about Well, that, and, so and, and, I, cool. and I will say, and Darren, I, I got to run. I apologize. But uh, you're right. I mean, let's not forget that Dr. Anthony Fauci did a lot of the things that he did while Donald Trump was in office. And so for, you know, there's some topics where there's and this is this is true in life, folks, where, you know, there's some topics where you might be in line with Donald Trump, for example, the border. For example, you know, doing whatever he can to uh, limit the government's growth. I mean, there's a lot of things very anti-China, anti Dr. Anthony Fauci in in some regards, in, in some respects. So there's a lot of things that that you agree. I'm just saying you as we collectively. There's a lot of things that you or we can agree with Donald Trump on. But there's other things. Not so much. And unfortunately, that that is just the way politics is. And Darren, I appreciate the call. 866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It is Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339. Very quickly, Craig is calling from California on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Craig. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. Hey, look, um, I'm past the primary, okay? And I'm past the election. So I want to talk, what is Donald J. Trump going to do in his second term? If I was advising him, Mm -hmm. you got to know when and who to hire and when and who to fire. You know, uh, 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 Christopher Ray. Oh my goodness. DJ. You should have yeah. got rid of him long ago. Long well, and Fauci, ago. let's, let's not forget Fauci. I mean, Fau- Fauci look, survived the listen, entire Biden mini- or uh, Trump administration. Trump is not a doctor. He's not a scientist. You know, he's he's in charge of the executive branch. Uh, you know what? I appreciate the call, Craig. Got to run. Red Eye Radio.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. We all know that the Biden administration, a big part of what they do is narrative control, right? And so we know, because we've seen these stories often enough now. I mean, if you're a conservative and you listen to talk radio and you you are a free thinker and you just you're informed. You know that what the Biden administration did and, and in, in part also the, the Trump administration. When Dr. Anthony Fauci was part of those respective administrations, you know what they did when they went to the social media companies and they said, listen, if anybody is is asking about the efficacy of masks and if they're they're asking questions. You've got to shut them down. You've got to shadow ban them. You've got to limit their reach because no questions, no free thinkers are allowed. And they did it with masks. They did it with vaccines. They did it with the question as to where exactly did the uh, coronavirus begin. And they did it with Hunter Biden's laptop. Where the federal government whether it was the DOJ, whether it was the NIH, we now know that they essentially colluded with the social media companies to censor the American people, by and large conservatives. And, and, and I know a lot of you folks know exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of you folks, like me, were put in Facebook jail you were banned, you were shadow banned, and now we know why. I mean, the Twitter files, thank you to Elon Musk, the, the Twitter files figure that out. Well, now there's a big story, a big blow to the Biden administration regarding free speech on the Internet. A lawsuit has, has finally borne some good news regarding free speech advocates on social media in Missouri versus Biden. The attorney general of Missouri actually sued the Biden administration, saying that Biden and the federal government overstepped in their efforts to convince social media companies to address postings that could result in vaccine hesitancy during covid, for example. Remember when I remember I am old enough to remember when a few years ago, simply saying, do your own research and get a second opinion could get you thrown off of the uh, social media sites or shadow banned. They would say, oh, my God, you're killing people by telling people to get a second opinion. Oh, my God, you're racist. For saying, do you think COVID came from that lab where they were doing gain of function research? 
Did Fauci have anything to do with the funding? And so just saying those kinds of things meant that you were trying to kill people or you were racist. And and they would tell us, follow the science. And then you would follow the science and the, the science didn't make any sense. Because it seemed like the numbers were being manipulated. And then we started having these conversations about whether or not people died from COVID or with COVID. And so it it really did seem like we were all being manipulated. And so that is what inspired the Missouri attorney general to come out and say, you know what? No more of this. This simply cannot happen again because it is abundantly clear. That the media and social media and the American people were being manipulated. Now, part of the question is, was social media manipulated to the point where they were ultimately allowing fabrications from the NIH and Dr. Anthony Fauci? Or were they just in on the whole thing, knowing full well that Fauci was trying to stifle dissent. The FBI, remember this? The FBI and the DOJ went around telling the social media companies to be on the lookout that Russian disinformation was out there to impact the election. Knowing that was their story and their reasoning to spike the or suppress the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, now, lo and behold, here in the last couple of days. News comes out. Actually, this did come out today that a judge has now agreed with the Missouri attorney general and said, you know what? We are going to. Stop the federal government and their agencies from talking to social media companies about what to allow and what not to allow regarding social media posts. This is a huge deal for advocates of free speech. Now, this lawsuit, again, it is Missouri versus Biden. And the attorney general in Missouri is a guy named uh, Eric. Eric Schmidt, and he and he testified a, a couple of uh, months ago, several months ago about this lawsuit. And it was in front of Congress and, and he talked about why it is that he brought this lawsuit and uh, he didn't really pull any punches. This lawsuit alleges the Biden administration, including President Biden himself and members of his team, pressured and colluded with social media giants to censor free speech in the name of combating so-called disinformation and misinformation, which led to the suppression and censorship of truthful information on a scale never seen before. And so he brought this, Eric Schmidt, he he brought this lawsuit inspired again by the Biden administration and by Dr. Anthony Fauci, and a judge has agreed. And now at least there's been a, a temporary injunction that has been filed. And so at least for now, the likes of Alejandro Mayorkas and folks there within the NIH and perhaps the DOJ as well, no longer allowed to what I would say collude 
with the social media companies to censor people who may be speaking truth to power. Which is exactly what they were doing before. Again, I will ask the question, how many of us were banned or shadow banned or put in Facebook jail for simply tweeting or posting things that eventually it was determined was true? I mean, you know what for me, exhibit number one is, is the whole thing about asking where the origins of COVID came from. Where did COVID really come from that uh, Wuhan lab? And so many of us were called racists. So many of us had our accounts basically suppressed. And again, the attorney general for the for the state of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, had something to say about this during his testimony in front of uh, Capitol Hill. The lawsuit provides example after example of truthful information that was censored by social media companies that were admitted at a later date to be truthful or credible, including the Hunter Biden laptop story, the COVID-19 lab leak story, theory, and the efficacy of masks. Discovery obtained by Missouri and Louisiana demonstrated the Biden administration's coordination with social media companies and collusion with nonprofits to censor speech was far more pervasive and destructive than ever known. Documents reveal multiple White House officials, from the former press secretary to the digital director, relentlessly pressuring social media companies to remove specific posts or accounts or expand censorship practices. Yeah, this this is a very substantive lawsuit that is really damning. I mean, just like the Twitter files were damning. And the more we find out, the worse it is for the Biden administration and, frankly, the mainstream media as well, who bought into all of this and helped to censor folks. I mean, I know you've heard the story about how many Biden voters would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known that the laptop from hell was actually legit. And so when we talk about how, you know, I I don't want to get into this whole thing tonight, but, you know, people talk about the stolen election. Well, when you look at how the social media companies and the mainstream media discredited and did everything they could to suppress that story. Well, then, yeah, I can see why somebody would say that the election was stolen and it has nothing to do with voting machines, as I've often said, has everything to do with. With the fact that this very negative information on Joe Biden and his family, particularly his corrupt son, was doing what they were doing, as evidenced by the laptop. And so the more that we look into all of this, the more that it does look like this is a very big step. This judge basically saying, uh, no, these agencies cannot talk to these social media companies about opinions that need to be suppressed. I mean, this is great news. One big target, as you can imagine, by this Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt was indeed Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been found, as you know, to have lied or obfuscated the truth many times. Here's more from that testimony. Dr. Fauci was aware early in the pandemic that his agency had funded dangerous gain-of-function research 
at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but he sought to discredit and suppress the theory that COVID-19 leaked from a lab to deflect blame and avoid potential responsibility for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, you remember when Fauci discredited the scientists behind the Great Barrington Declaration. If you don't know about that, I will give you basically a, a two or three sentence um, narrative on, on what that was. You, you had these very credible scientists. I think they were in, uh, I think, there was one, I believe, that was from the UK. I, I think one may have been from America. But you had this group of scientists, and they were all considered brilliant, the, the top of their field. And when they saw that there were lockdowns that were happening, they came out with the Great Barrington Declaration that simply said, That if we lock down America the way that Fauci is recommending us to be locked down, there will be consequences and ramifications. And there were. Yet Fauci did everything he could to work with the social media companies to get the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration to be discredited. And it turns out, as everyone now knows. The authors were absolutely correct when they talked about alcoholism. They talked about depression. They talked about our economy being shut down and people losing their jobs, losing their careers, losing their life savings, uh, kids not being able to learn, suicide rates going up. Everything that the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration said would happen did happen. And Dr. Anthony Fauci did everything he could to discredit them. And so the Missouri attorney general, he is absolutely spot on when he goes after Dr. Anthony Fauci. He also went after the Hunter Biden laptop story. Missouri and Louisiana also deposed the FBI agent about the Hunter Biden laptop story. This deposition and relevant documents revealed that the FBI deliberately planted false information about hack and leak operations in advance of the Hunter Biden laptop story coming out in order to deceive social media platforms into censoring Mm -hmm. the Hunter Biden laptop story. Yep. The FBI also flagged social media accounts for censorship on a monthly basis and have have an estimated 50% success rate in getting reported disinformation removed or censored. Yeah. So the judge granted the injunction, which means that federal agencies cannot work with social media companies regarding protected speech. And again, the decision is being called a massive blow to censorship. And I would say this is a good thing. This is from the media in Kentucky. The judge cited substantial evidence of a far reaching censorship campaign. He wrote that the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. And they're absolutely spot on. And so the fact that now this is not going to be allowed, at least for now, is a big, big victory. Here's one final statement from This uh, Eric Schmidt, who uh, has a lot of great things to say. President Biden and his administration may lust for its own ministry of truth. But I, along with millions of Americans, 
will never stop fighting for the God-given right to speak your mind, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And he's absolutely right. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Once a roadside inspection is completed, the officer will close it out, which involves the officer writing or typing up the report. The more the officer found during the inspection, the longer this will take. If violations were discovered, most officers, as a courtesy, will explain the violations to the driver. If there were any out-of-service violations, the officer will normally explain what must be done to get the out-of-service order lifted. Drivers need to be very attentive during this part of the inspection. The driver also needs to read and understand the complete inspection report. After receiving the inspection report, the driver has 24 hours to get the roadside inspection report to the motor carrier. If the driver will not be returning to a company facility within the next 24 hours, the driver needs to know to get it on the way to you via email, mail, or fax within 24 hours. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine eight six six ninety red eye Dan Mandison for Gary and Eric. By the way, they do return coming up Sunday night, Monday morning, and right now it is Barbara calling from Reno, Nevada, on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Barbara. Yeah, hello there. And the reason I'm calling is I want to say that stretching the tooth isn't limited to the men in the Biden family, but also to Dr. Joe Biden. She was talking to the teachers today, um, audiovisual, and said she'd spent 33 years as a teacher. Incorrect. She spent 13 years as a teacher. She has now spent 20 years as a professor, which is much different than being a teacher in the public school system. But she was trying to enable, you know, try to get the people to really support her and make her think that she taught the kids in the in the really hard. K through 12 right. grades right, and and push that sort of thing. So she, too, is not truthful when she talks to people. Well, and, and I appreciate the call. That's, what I would say to that is, you know, she is a she is a, a politician. And, and yes, presidents are politicians as well, especially when you look at uh, Jill Biden, when you look at Michelle Obama and, and you look at some of these other politicians that are out there. They are right there with their husbands, especially in the case of uh, Joe Biden and, and the rest of the Biden clan. You know, they all are just liars. I mean, that, that is sadly what they do. And it all comes from the top uh, there with the Biden uh, family. And it all begins with Joe. Very quickly, Nathan is in Phoenix on Red Eye Radio. Nathan, go ahead. Yes, I wanted to make a comment about um, all of this stuff that's going on in this country as far as with the uh, politicians and all of this. Um, I've thought about this lately quite a bit. Well, you know what? I'm going to. Nathan, I'm sorry I accidentally hung up on you as opposed to putting you on hold. If you want to call back, please do. I'll get right to you.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. You can find out more about me on Twitter and Facebook, uh, basically all the socials, at Dan Mandis Show. And I do hi, I do uh, host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee, 997WTN.com. You can hear it there. And um, it is 6 to 10 Eastern, again, on Super Talk 997 in Nashville. I'm, I'm a little distracted because I, I know how conservatives are feeling these days. You know, we're pissed off at Bud Light. We can't believe that they had Dylan Mulvaney in this deal with Dylan Mulvaney regarding the the little endorsement thing that uh, he had. But but here's the thing. Ben and Jerry's, because I'm not a bit, just so you folks know, I'm not big on boycotts. I think if, if people want to kill their business, then knock themselves out. Let, let them do it. I myself, Dan Mandis, talk show host, I, I don't call for boycotts. It's It's not something that I've ever done. It's not something that I ever do. I think that you folks are smart enough to make your own decisions. Ben and Jerry's. There's a headline now. You're ready. Brace yourselves because you know that Ben and Jerry's, they are uh, very woke. They are very progressive. Some people say they hate America. The headline from the Daily Mail, Ben and Jerry's customers now calling for a boycott after they demanding in a 4th of July message that they need to return, America needs to return the stolen indigenous lands back to the Native Americans, the Indians, starting with Mount Rushmore to the Lakota Indians. That's what they, listen, that, that's what Ben and Jerry says. They say that we stole Mount Rushmore in that region, that area, from the Indians, and we need to somehow give it back. Now, I, I hate to break it to the you know the folks over there at Ben and Jerry's, but um, America, we did things, and we had to do things in our founding that it, it is uncomfortable. And sometimes, yeah, it sounds like you know certain groups or certain people got screwed. But it is now 2023. And there are countries all across the world that did things that they ultimately had to do to lead them to where they are today, like it or not. And so now you have a bunch of uh, Republicans and conservatives saying that Ben and Jerry's hates America. And they need to have a boycott just like Bud Light. See, I don't know if I would say that Bud Light was a... An organized boycott. Would you, would you say that it was an organized boycott? I would say, and I, I'm not a beer drinker, but but I would say that that really was just an organic wave of eye rolls across America where, where people were, were just like, enough of this crap already. And then, of course, as you no doubt know, one of the uh, marketing geniuses there at Bud Light you know, she was talking about how uh, the, the Bud Light brand was uh, very, uh, what, did, what did she say, frattery? Like very, uh, you know, like, like um, 
you know, like a like a college fraternity kind of a thing. You know, just a bunch of guys guzzling beer. And, oh, that's just, you know, that is so unseemly. Just a bunch of, you know, young men guzzling beer. I, I think the term is frattery. I'm not sure. Whatever. But it doesn't matter. I just think that there there were just a bunch of conservatives that got tired of this kind of thing. And so you had the the rather unfortunate quotes from the marketing genius. And then you had, of course, the Dylan Mulvaney thing. And I think that people just got pissed off. And they got tired of it. And I think that conservatives, I, I think this is a good thing. That conservatives are finally deciding that they've had enough of this woke BS and they're walking away from some of these brands and they're learning how to do what the Democrats have been doing quite effectively for a long time. So now whether or not this will impact Ben and Jerry's, I I don't know, because let's face it, this isn't exactly a surprise when they come out on the 4th of July and they say, yeah, America's on stolen indigenous land, and we need to give Mount Rushmore back to the Lakotas. But they know what the reaction is going to be, and they don't care. I mean, when I saw this headline, all I did was shake my head. I don't buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream anyway. But if I did, I would probably take my uh, money elsewhere. Because even though I don't call for boycotts, I decide one issue at a time whether or not I want to deal with a particular company. Because the, cause, cause the problem, with, can I just tell you the problem with boycotts? Because I know that there's some of y'all that are, uh, that are you know, screaming at the radio right now. How could you not boycott Ben and Jerry's? How could you not boycott Budweiser? Well, again, I did, these are two companies that I don't do business with anyway. But see, the problem with boycotts is that you have to be consistent all the way through. So if you boycott Ben and Jerry's or you boycott Bud Light, well, then you have to start going through every single thing that you wear. You've got to go through every single thing that you buy. Everything that you drive. Where you're sending your kids to college. I mean, everything. Because if you're going to boycott one company, then you've got to be consistent. So I don't myself again, I don't call for boycotts. I just make a little notation to myself. How strongly do I feel about this particular story? And as far as Ben and Jerry's goes, I made the decision a long time ago that this was a company run by a couple of nut jobs. And so I just I'm not a huge ice cream eater anyway, but I just decided I'm not going to buy Ben and Jerry's. The company, which was founded by longtime Bernie Sanders allies, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenwood. Has since been sold to British multinational Unilever tweeted the message to its 494,000 followers. This 4th of July, it is high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. The company's official announcement, uh, the official account wrote before suggesting Mount Rushmore should be headed back to its original owners. 
Well, then at some point, again, this all goes back to consistency. Well, then I would say to Ben and Jerry's, well, how far does that go? Because right now you're talking about Mount Rushmore, which even today is, uh, you know, pretty barren out that way. I've been to Mount Rushmore. There's not not a lot around it except for the tourist traps. But I'm sure if you start looking at, you know, cities across America, you see that there's there's many cities that is built on, uh, you know, Indian land. Native American land that maybe should go back to uh, those uh, particular uh, tribes. And sometimes I just wonder if people like Ben and Jerry's, I I think part of what they like to do, because I think progressives do this. Do you think progressives do this? I think they like to trigger people on the right. And I'd be willing to bet that, you know, that the folks over there at Ben and Jerry's, I would be willing to bet that this is part of what they just like to do. They just like to trigger conservatives. And there's a lot of conservatives that'll, you know, just be triggered by this and they'll start calling for boycotts and, you know, people will be all up in arms and everything. And then then what happens is you start getting wrapped around the axle on Ben and Jerry's when, when, by the way, they can tweet and post and think whatever they want to think. I mean, in, in the previous segment, I spent almost the entire segment talking about how the uh, state of Missouri brought a lawsuit against um, the federal government and the Biden administration saying that and, and they wanted to prevent and stop the Biden administration from colluding with uh, the folks uh, over there on social media of censoring mainly conservatives. And so thanks to this injunction now, because this lawsuit was a success, the Biden administration cannot actively censor Americans on social media by working with these uh, social media companies to censor certain points of view, which certainly we saw during covid after covid and the run up to the 2020 election related to the New York Post article on Hunter Biden. And so you can't, on the one hand, say Hooray for, you know, free speech on social media, but then say that Ben and Jerry's needs to be boycotted. And they shouldn't be allowed to say those kinds of things. I happen to be uh, of the mindset that you let people say whatever they want to say and let the chips fall where they may. And I think Ben and Jerry's has been around long enough that you know what they stand for. By the way, do you see this? There, there's a lot going on tonight. I, there, there's certain uh, topics that I, I still have not even gotten to. We all know what's going on in uh, cities across America. Where we have we have stores that are leaving places like San Francisco and Washington, D.C. and other places, because, quite frankly, there's just so much crime. Did you see this story? Because every every single uh, month, there seems to be an update to the same story, which is how much a lot of these various uh, cities and companies are losing because of these soft on crime policies. And the more that we find out about these soft on crime policies, the more we realize, well, no wonder you have people wanting to and companies wanting to bolt from these cities. Because who would possibly want to have a 
a, a city, I should say a business, like a coffee shop, for example, in, uh, you know, downtown San Francisco. Nobody wants that. And so that's why now you have some of these organizations that are hand-wringing, oh, there's no grocery stores in this neighborhood. There's no pharmacies in this neighborhood. It's a grocery desert, is what they'll say. And I'll say, you can thank the Democrats. You can thank the Democrats because it is their soft-on-crime policies that lead to stores bolting. Because we see these stories all the time. All the time. $100 billion is now what uh, businesses are losing thanks to theft in these Democrat-run cities. $100 billion. And then you wonder why it is that you have these pharmaceutical deserts, why you have these grocery deserts. It's because of those policies by the progressive left. And there's no other real way to, to phrase it. I mean, when you when you have when you have Soros paid for uh, district attorneys that will say, well, the cops can arrest you if they want, but we're not going to prosecute anything under a thousand dollars. So you got these guys who know that they can go in and they can steal nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents worth of merchandise. And they're not going to get prosecuted. And that's why you have these stores that are moving out because you have billions of dollars. Worth of loss. Now, do I feel do I feel bad for these uh, communities that don't have grocery stores and that don't have uh, pharmacies and so forth? Well, yeah, up to a point. But these are the same people that voted for these kinds of lawmakers. So I'm sorry, but it's a little hard to feel sorry for some of these folks because we know that those progressive policies come from the people that they're voting for. And, and this is why you have you know a lot of these conservatives. I'm not going to say most conservatives, but this is why you have a lot of these Republicans that are fleeing these you know progressive areas. Just like the businesses are. Then you say, well, there go the jobs, too. And then somebody like me who votes conservative, who votes Republicans. I look at all these people that are crying in the streets about illegal immigration and crime and drugs and the rest of this. And I say and I say, well, look who you voted for. So this is on you. This is on those communities. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.